this morning just uh, recognize all of you ladies this morning uh, worshiping with us. We, uh, we certainly on a day like today, as John has said and, and we started, we, we, we wish um, and our prayers are with you uh, who are raising children, moms and those of you out there that are raising kids. Our thoughts and our prayers are, are with you, especially our prayers, um, especially if you have a lot of them. Um, but, but we, uh, and, and, and those of you that are maybe raising kids as, as grandparents or, or helping raise kids, but, but we do begin with a recognition that, that motherhood has a bigger, bigger umbrella for us in the church because when, it, when a child is baptized, one of the things we say is that we all take responsibility for that. And so we recognize all of the women, whether or not, you know, your kids are grown, whether or not you, you don't have um, biological children or, or didn't raise children, uh, because you're invested and you have had an impact. And so, so we do this. We, we recognize within the family of God all, all, all you ladies. And so uh, I think as you leave this morning or on the way in, you got them on the way in, you got these gifts on the way in. I don't know if you've had a chance to check these out, but um, it might appear just to be a pen, but oh, it is so much more. <laughs> so if, if, if you didn't look at these ladies, and if you didn't get one by, somehow you missed it on the way in, you can get one on the way out, but it's a pen, uh, it is a, a stylus, it's got the little soft, soft um, cushy point at the end, so you can use it on your tablets, so it's a pen, it's a stylus, but oh, we keep going, it's a, it's a, um, it's a flashlight. See, look at that. It's a flashlight. But wait, there's more. Um, it's, a, it's a reading light. See, you can put it over your book. And, and I don't have the thing. And the last thing is, you can put it on the table, and it can hold your cell phone up. You can lean your cell phone against it. See? See? It is multifaceted, just like you ladies. So multi-talented. So uh, we got that, and, and our special events, and Lauren, they got this. Lauren was, Lauren was very excited. Uh, Lauren's already, she was very excited about these pens. And so we want to, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Lauren and her team. And Lauren's team kind of does all this, this wonderful stuff, and we want you, we certainly um, want you all to enjoy it. I hope you have something, you know, maybe you have just a, a casual day. Maybe you have plans. I thought in our family that we would be doing um, kind of a traditional Mother's Day with, with Tony. We'd do dinner and, you know, give her some gifts, maybe, maybe do some things. She, wants, she has some things she wants to go shopping for. I thought that's what we'd be doing. I should have known better um, because my, my niece, Novelin, is here with us. And uh, two weeks ago, Novelin again became a big sister. Uh, as my, as my sister-in-law, Tony's sister, Terry, gave birth to a little girl, Oakland, uh, who is now just two weeks old, and I should have known what Tony would want to do with her Mother's Day. So we'll be driving up to Dade City after church, and uh, we'll be spending time with the baby. She was kind of, she, she kind of started dropping hints a couple days ago. I was like, I haven't seen the baby in a week. <laughs> I was like, it's okay, she's not going anywhere. But, uh, so I finally said, Tony, do you want to go up and see the baby for Mother's Day? I didn't even need to ask. So um, I believe God's highest priority for a preacher on a Sunday afternoon is to take a nap. <laughs> so I will be sacrificing my nap for Mother's Day because I'm a giver, and that's what I do. So, because uh, it's all about me, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, so I hope whatever you have, you have planned, and, and whether this is a day of remembrance, I know for many of us it is. It is a day we remember our mothers, and then if you're blessed to have your mom with you, I hope you can enjoy or, um, you know, can, can talk to her. I hope you're able to enjoy that, that on this day. Now, young girl went to her mother one day and said, Mom, where do human beings come from? And her mom said, well, she said, God made humans. God made Adam and Eve and and man and woman in God's very image. That's where we come from. And so the girl said, oh, that's that's interesting. A couple days later, she goes to her dad and asks the same question. Dad, where do human beings come from? And dad said, well, see, a number of thousand years ago, thousands and thousands of years ago, we evolved from monkeys. And... um, this perplexed the young girl. So finally she went to her mom. She said, Mom, I'm, I'm confused. I don't understand. When I asked you, you said that, that we came, that God made us in his image. But Dad said that we, we came from monkeys. And she said, oh, honey, it's, it's not confusing at all. When, when you asked me that question, I told you about my side of the family. <laughs> and Dad told you about his. Now, I like that story. Yeah, I know. I knew. I see. I knew. <laughs> That's right. Hear it from others. And I love that story. I thought it was funny because I love that kind of quick, quick wit, that quick thinking. I admire that in people. Um, that, that I have some friends that are very, very quick. I, I sit with them, and, and um, I'm like the audience. They're, I love those who can kind of think on their feet that fast and that quickly. And, I, and, and so I admire that. And I started to think about the characteristics, especially on a Mother's Day, um, that personally, that I admire in, in, in women and in, in mothers and, and others, <laughs> it rhymes, um, but uh, some, of the, some of the things that we, we value. And, and I, I was thinking over that as, as one of the, the lists popped up on, <coughs> excuse me, on my news feed that comes around always this time of year. This one happened to be the best TV mothers of all time. I sort of think, well, that's an interesting thing because everybody's definition of best is different, the things that, that we value. But they had this, this list of the best TV mothers of all time. And rather than read any one list, I thought it'd be fun. Who do you think? Who is on your list? I made my list. But who is on your list of the best TV mothers of all time? Donna Reed. June Cleaver. June Cleaver is actually on my list. Carol Brady was on my list. I heard that come up. Who else? Harriet Nelson. Okay. Somebody in the first service said Roseanne Barr. <laughs> All right. So that's okay. You can have your list. I know. Somebody, everybody has their list. That's the point. Anybody else? Think of anyone else? Marion Cunningham. Also on my list, wherever that came from. Thank you. Claire Huxtable. I know that's kind of a little touchy now, but absolutely. Uh, Claire Huxtable was also on my list. Somebody had Marge Simpson. Um, so, yeah. So, any, anybody else have one? Sophia? On the gold? Yes! Yeah! Where, where that sounded, that sounded like May. Was that May? Where are you? There you are. Yeah, Sophia, that's a good one because of that sense of humor, that cutting edge. It's interesting, and, and like I said, and, and a lot of that's generational. It's probably based on on who you watched growing up and, and who some of those 
um, mother figures were, and, and that's certainly changed. But, but the reason I find that interesting is I wonder what the, the qualifications are for you, for a good mother. How do we start to define that? And, and as I said, we could start that list as well, what, what makes a good mother. And we would have different things based on our experiences and, and what we value. And, and there's no you know, right or wrong list, even, you know, even as our lists vary, because there, it's a deeply personal thing. But, but one of the things, I, I read somebody who wrote, this is how uh, she defined a good mother, and she said, it is the person whose arms you want to run into when you are hurting. And I thought, that's, that's not the only definition, but I thought that's a very profound and I think powerful definition of the kind of women that we celebrate on a Mother's Day, whether they be mothers or you know, extended mothers, if you will, the kind of person whose arms we want to run into when we are hurting. Who is it that comforts us? And, and that's an image that I want to explore for a few moments this morning as we think about who, not only the women in our lives who we celebrate, but the God in our lives who loves us. Because one of the things that is just very clear is that we, are, we don't have a problem celebrating and, and lifting up the traditionally masculine qualities of God. And when I say traditionally, I've got to be careful here because we're, we're dealing with generalities. Uh, this whole sermon deals with some generalities. Let me lay that up front because it's very dangerous to say, and it's foolish to say, well, men are like this and women are like this. Because we know that those lines blur. In some of our houses growing up, the fathers or the men might have been the disciplinarians, which is a more traditional male role. But not always. I know some of you ladies are disciplinarians in your household. Um, and, and, and that's okay because that's who God made you to be. And so, and, and sometimes, you know, we talk about women being the nurturer, and sometimes men are very nurturing. So, so I want to lay at the front end, we're dealing with kind of stereotypes, and, and I recognize this. But, but in that mindset, we, we have no problem with the masculine stereotypes that we attribute to God, because we, we find them throughout the scriptures, we, in our language, you know, we, 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 we talk about the fatherhood of God, which is appropriate. We, we use male pronouns for God, he. Uh, we, we, we see some of those characteristics, especially as we study the scriptures of, of that, that disciplinary and that strong hand that, again, are often characterized as the, the masculine qualities of God. In our language, sometimes, I'm just talking to the man upstairs, the way that we draw, even entertainment. When we, we depict men, not in every movie, there's a few exceptions, but uh, God is um, Morgan Freeman, George Burns, yeah, you know, those, those, kind of, those kind of things. So, again, I'm not, I'm not indicting that, but, but it's a limited picture. When, when we restrict ourselves there, a God who is above our gender categories, a God who has created man and woman in his image, when we, when we are limited to that, we miss some of the completeness of who God is. And so, let's balance the picture a little bit this morning, and let's, let's look at these verses in Isaiah chapter 66, 12 through 14, just, just these few verses, but this, this is what we read. It says, For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river, 
and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. And brothers and sisters, we pray God bless here this reading of his word. Uh, and let me invite you to join me for a word of prayer. Lord, as, as we read your word, speak to, you, speak to us your truth. Speak to us the fullness of who you are and, and, and speak to us words of strength and comfort and hope in these moments that we worship together, that we celebrate together and we give you thanks and praise in Christ's holy name. Amen. So, here we have the, the setting for what Isaiah is writing and addressing in this text, what God's addressing, <coughs> excuse me, with his people, is, is there at the end of what was known as their Babylonian exile. The, the Babylonians um, had, had taken the, the people into captivity, if you're familiar with the, the story of Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's all part of the, the Babylonian captivity. And, and they've been freed from their exile. So the people are coming back to Jerusalem. And they're finding a city that's been decimated. They're finding a way of life that, is, that they're uncertain about. So they're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with their, their, their fear and, and the turmoil in their lives. And, and, and into this, God speaks these profoundly powerful and 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 hopeful words he says as a mother comforts her child so i will comfort you as a mother comforts her child so i will comfort you these are not words reminding them of their sin these are not words which has been part of their story and was an important part of why they were in exile they're not words of judgment which had been spoken over them because of of what they had done they're, they're not even necessarily words of instruction, which are also important. These are words of comfort. In your fear, in your anxiety, I will comfort you the way that a mother does her child. And we see this other side of the nature of God that we don't often talk about, this maternal side of God. I will comfort you. And this is peppered throughout the Scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, Moses says to the people, he kind of, he scolds the people. He says, because you have forgotten your God who gave birth to you. Okay, who gave birth to you. That is a maternal image. Last time I checked, guys, we don't get to do that. Thank you, Lord. Um, I've seen it twice. I'm, God bless you, ladies. Um, but that's a maternal image. Deuteronomy 32, in... in um, other parts of the scripture, we see images of God as one who nurses or feeds his children, gives them nourishment. And, and we read that throughout or in places in the Old Testament. So we get this imagery of, of a God who births, of a God who feeds and nourishes, and here we get this image of, of a God who comforts. And this is also peppered throughout the scriptures in we go to uh, Isaiah, a whole section of the prophet Isaiah prior to this, 40 through 55. So 15 chapters of Isaiah, two chapters in Jeremiah, 30 and 31, they're called books of comfort because they speak words of comfort and hope to a people in a, in a time of turmoil and fear. David, 
in that famous prayer of the 23rd Psalm, in his anxiety and his fear, because you've got to remember David's running for his life when he writes the 23rd Psalm. It's not a good time in his life. And what does he say in this prayer? Your rod and your staff, your presence comforts me. So, so we see this. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians in the first chapter. He says that you console us in our afflictions. You comfort us in our afflictions. And then Revelation 21, at the, at the painting this picture of what will be, the promise of what's to come, the Scriptures tell us that we have a God who will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. Sorrow and pain... The first things have passed away. So we get these images of this nurturing, this, this comforting God as part of the fullness of, of who God is. And, and it's images that just too often we gloss over in, in favor of, of more familiar image of God. But the reality is, as Genesis 1 says, we are created in the image of God. Male and female, he created and see, in my own language, God created. But we, we take things and we, we put it in a way that we can understand it, but sometimes we, we shortchange it. And if we are all created in the image of God, then what we celebrate is that when we reflect the best of who we've been created to be, we reflect the nature and the character of God. And so we see the God who comforts and on a, a day like today, what I'm, what I'm challenged very often is to remember those in my life who have, have mirrored that for me. Those who have shown me that nature of God through the very way that, that they have um, comforted and stepped into my life. Because, see, what I get is that image. And again, kind of going back to the beginning, I go back to that image of, of the child who runs into his or her mother's arms when they're hurt. You know, when, as, as when, when Ryan and Cassie were little, I, I would, you know, there was physicality. We'd wrestle, we'd play, we'd, we'd you know, do the way father and sons or father and even daughters will, will interact. But if I ever got too rough, if I ever hurt them, okay, which I tried not to do, but may happen, um, in the moment of the hurt, dad was not who they wanted. Mom's who they wanted. You know, moms, moms, and I, I was the same way. You know, in our household, it was kind of some traditional lines. My mom, um, dad was the disciplinarian. He was the stronger hand. My mom, that was just not her nature. It's not that it's not a role for women, but it just wasn't her. She tried. She tried to be a disciplinarian. She couldn't do it because we'd giggle, you know. I mean, she just, it just, it was, you know, I remember once as we were getting, of course, remember, those of you that know, I'm the eldest of three boys, and we are, from, from my youngest brother David to me, there's only five years between us. So three boys in a five-year window. Um, and, and so, you know, she had her hands full as was. And my mom was not, she was kind of a, a smaller lady. And as we got bigger, she got smaller. And, um, and she tried, she just couldn't do it. She, I remember once she pulled out a wooden spoon and hit my brother on the, on the butt, you know. And he just laughed. You know, she just didn't have it in her. So, so that, wasn't, that wasn't who God created her to be. But, but she was the one that we went to when we needed that comfort. And so the, the thing is, so I have that image of that. But, but here's the, the truth. We don't outgrow the need to be comforted. We don't, that's, not, that's not something that, 
that goes away when we stop falling down and scraping our knees and bruising our elbows. As we get older, the comfort becomes even more necessary because life gets harder. We don't heal as fast. You know, we don't just kind of rub some dirt on it and walk away as quickly. You know, the, the hurts and the, the, the illness and the struggles and the uncertainty and the fears and the sense of loss become deeper. And so there's no point at which we outgrow the need of a God who comforts us the way a mother does her child. And we need to recognize that that's what God invites us into in this relationship that he's called us into. It is a God of, of discipline and accountability and teaching and instruction and, and strength and power, but also a God of great nurture and great comfort. I'm reminded of a lyric from a Rich Mullins song. Many of you have heard it before called Hold Me Jesus. And it is, it is one of the most profound lyrics. I reflect on it often because I think it's so simple yet so truthful to what we face. And, and the lyric just says, hold me Jesus because I'm shaken like a leaf. You've been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? And, and I think about that. We, we try, try um, you know, give, give credit to God for the great victories of our lives and the celebrations, and we should. But where do we turn in those moments when, when internally and, and outwardly we're just, we're just shaking and we need, we need that comfort? That's what, what God invites us into. That's, that's who he says that he is. And, and we celebrate that in two ways. One, we recognize the way God does this, I should say. And one is God does this through other people. God comforts us through the presence of others. That's kind of a little bit of what we do when we celebrate a day like today. Those who have been a part of our story that God has used to shape and influence us. I'm reminded of, of Paul's prayer in 2 Timothy at the very beginning when he's talking to Timothy and he's commending his faith. And he says, I, I give thanks to you, but, but he says, I give thanks because of the faith that is in you because it was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. They have shaped you. And it's, it's a celebration of not just his faith, but the women in his life who have left an imprint. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the imprint of other people upon our lives. And because that's how God works. And so very often what God works is he works to send the people into our lives who are needed to be a comfort for us. Uh, and, and some people are better at it than others. I'm not inherently good at being a comforter. I have to work really hard at it. My kids will tell you I'm not inherently good at being a comforter. Uh, I, I too often, you know, shake it off. You'll be all right, you know. And, and, I, and I've learned these lessons. I've learned them in newer ways. I've told you before. I think I've told this story. I'm, I'm sure I have of, of um, learning this and, and really having to be accountable for it. When Ryan was, I don't know, about 10 or 11 years old, we had just moved here, and he'd gotten a skateboard, and we went to the skate park. And like five minutes into it, down he went, and he was crying and holding his ankle. And I'm like, dude, you're fine. Shake it off. You're good. I did, seriously. I was like, I was getting irritated because he was hurt. I'm like, you're good. And so I made him get up. I made him walk it off, and we went home. And the next day when his mother took him to the doctor and he had a broken ankle, I learned that my comforting skills needed work. You know, I, and my point only is that some of us have to work it because sometimes God calls us into that role. Some of you are inherently good at that. This is, uh, this is part of who God's made you to be. But, but God uses us. And sometimes our call 
is to just be present with people in their time of need. It's not about having the right words. We've talked about this. It's not knowing what to say. I got a phone call this week from somebody whose mother had just died, and they were calling to share that with me. And there was no words at that point. It's just encouragement. It's, it's comfort. God calls us that. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, we get introduced to a, 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 an apostle by the name of Barnabas. You may be familiar. Barnabas' name was actually Joseph. But the disciples called him Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas means? Yes. Son of comfort. Son of encouragement. Son of consolation or comfort. And that, they did that. They called him that because that's who he was. he was. And he would play that role out in the life of John Mark. And it's a, it's a story for, it's a fuller story for another time. But we're all called to be Barnabas at times. And some of you are, are good at that because that's how God works. And so, so we absolutely celebrate that. But the other way God comforts us is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's through his presence at work in our lives to just be real in moments that we need it. In Psalm 94, there's a verse that says that as my anxieties increased, his spirit calmed me or brought me down. So as I got more frightened, more scared, more nervous, God's spirit comforted me and brought me down. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a psalm, the entire psalm, of, of dealing with the fact that life isn't fair. If you go back and read 94, 94th Psalm, <coughs> that's, that's partly what's happening. Is, is this, the, the prayer is, Lord, life's not fair. I don't know if you've ever prayed that before. But in the midst of that is feeling God's presence to, to speak that comfort and, and encouragement. And, and so... That happens in a lot of ways. It happens through prayer. It happens through the scriptures. It happens through worship and the songs that we sing or the prayers that we pray or the conversations that we have. But that's how God works in our lives. And it's important because we all need it. I, I, I think we all need it. I don't know any of us that have outgrown the place in our life where we don't need a word of comfort and an experience of God's comfort. And so on a day like today, I'm challenged to remember the fullness of who God is. Because when I celebrate, in my case, it's my mom. When I celebrate her memory, and I, I look at the example that she was and continues to be for my life, I realize that what she reflected for me in her very best was a reflect, reflection of who God is. And those softer qualities about her life, the, 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 the nature of who she was, the the, the femininity she brought into, into my life and the nurture, that's, that's who God is too. That's absolutely who God is because it is God who shaped her into, his image, in, into God's image. And so we, we celebrate that. And I hope you are called... Oh, thank you. That's very helpful because I don't have a place to put it. Um, what, we, what we recognize, though, is that, that, um, that, that's, that, that what I pray is that you have those in your life, whether it's a biological relationship or, or whether it's some other relationship, to celebrate those women that God has placed in your life that reflect who God is for you.
and have shaped your story in profound and powerful ways. That's what this day is. That's why it's a bigger thing for us than just biological relationships because we are the family of God in the relationship with Christ and with each other. So today I pray it is a day for you to be thankful for the women in your life and also to reflect on the fullness of who God is. And in those places when you need it, maybe it's today to remember the God who comforts and who longs to, to embrace you and embrace me the way a mother does her child because that's very much the truth about who God is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, our, our prayer, my prayer is that we'd see this fullness of, of who you are and celebrate that. And we celebrate the, the women in our lives who have reflected that and continue to reflect that. So we give you thanks for them. We give you thanks for who you are. And we pray that we will always turn to you and find strength from you in our greatest times of need. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen and amen. And so as we continue to reflect upon this this morning, I encourage you to continue to reflect upon this. We enter into this time of communion and we do it in remembrance. And we remember the gift of Christ Jesus who on that night in which He gave himself up for us, took bread, and gave thanks to God and broke it. And said, this is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he drank it. And gave it to them to drink and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so let us remember, let us remember the example of Christ who even in his time of grief, in his preparation uh, to face these final days, wept over Jerusalem. And the words he he said was, I have longed to gather you in the way a, a mother hen does her young. You know, again, it's this image of this nurturing, compassionate, comforting God, even in the midst of of his own pain and sorrow. So let us remember that as we come to the table this morning. Friends, let us pray. Gracious Lord, bless for us these gifts of bread and and juice, that for us they would be the very body and blood of Christ, reminding us of the, the truth that we are redeemed by your blood and we are called to be your body in the way that we love and serve others and love and serve you. So Lord, help us to do that faithfully, obediently, and with joy until one day we will enter your kingdom and this meal will forever be shared at your heavenly banquet table. We give you all praise. We ask that you unite us in ministry and service and we lift up the name of Jesus as we give him all glory and honor. This is our prayer and we ask it in Christ's holy name. Amen and amen. I want to invite now our communion servers to make their way to each of our four stations. If you are a guest with us today, in these moments as the praise band continues to lead us in worship, uh, we celebrate communion and we celebrate an open table. You are invited to come and to receive as you are led. Two stations in the front, there are two stations in the back. We receive by intinction. The bread will be given to you and you're invited to dip it into the juice and then the um, altar is open for prayer. There are baskets for prayer cards or, or offerings. And uh, lastly, if you are gluten-free, there is a tray on the back which you may take the bread that is gluten-free bread. But this is an open table. 
All who desire are invited to come and to receive. And finally, if you cannot come forward, let one of the ushers know, and we will bring communion to you. So as we continue to worship together, friends, the table has been made ready. As you're invited, you're, you're welcome to come and to receive. for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind And mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware Of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us all. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us all.
you're finished with communion, you're welcome to stand and sing this with us. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. And we are his portion and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all singing. Heaven meets earth like an unseen kiss My heart hurts violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets When I think about the way that He loves us Oh, how He loves us Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves. Yes, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He celebrate this day we celebrate those who have loved us let us begin with the God who loves us unconditionally whose grace covers us whose arms comfort us whose strength sustains us go in his peace go in his presence go in his hope and love in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen